Hello there. Welcome to MedTech Africa, the podcast where we showcase digital health and health technology innovations from across Africa. I'm your host, Sam Oti. This podcast is all about providing insights and perspectives on a variety of topics related to digital health and technology. Our goal is simple. We are hoping to foster dialogue about the role of these tools in improving health outcomes across the African continent. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Joel Uborogo, the CEO of the Sen Health Academy. They offer a suite of online courses that provide healthcare professionals with the opportunity to expand their digital health expertise. So essentially, they are all about upskilling healthcare professionals on all things digital health. Joel is absolutely passionate about unlocking the potential that digital health has for transforming healthcare in Africa. And that passion shines through in this episode. Well, enough talking. Let's get podcasting. Hello, Joel. How are you doing and where on earth are you (laughs) at the moment? Uh, hello, Sam. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me on and everything. I'm speaking to you from London in the UK. And um, yeah, that's where I'm hiding up right now. That's where I'm doing my walk from. Oh, wow. I love London. <laughs> Mostly because of the, the football team that I, that I support, Arsenal for life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not no fun as well. Same here. Oh, yeah, here we go. We are long-suffering fans. <laughs> well, it's it's great, to, great to have you uh, on the show and and to really learn about your company, Sen Health, and specifically the Sen Health Academy. But before we go into details about that, obviously, let's start by learning a bit about yourself. Who is Joel, and uh, how did you find yourself sort of uh, becoming the founder of Sen Health and Sen? Health Academy? Uh, well, um, I, I'm a technology uh, person by um, design and by training. So my background is actually in technology, IT strategy, and project management. Now, when I started my career, I, I say my university days, I read biochemistry as a first degree. And initially, I was uh, toying with the idea of going into medicine. And then I got um, bitten by the technology bug. So I did a master's in that at LSE in the UK. And I've worked in many industries, financial services, telecoms. I've worked within public service in the UK. And um, opportunity to work in Nigeria, my home country, South Africa, and also the Netherlands. So um, the key thing about what I bring to the table in any industry, and this sort of thing I do is on technology and technology strategy. It's very important to be strategic about how you deploy technology, how you adopt technology. And then to make things happen, project management is very key. And that's one of my strong points. So that's what I just mix the whole three things together to create that um, thing that I bring to the table. Amazing stuff. And and that is something we also have in common. Several things we also have in common that, you know, we're both from Nigeria originally. You worked in South Africa. I, I studied in South Africa and worked there. And I also studied in, in the in the Netherlands. So <laughs> good to see some similarities there. Yeah, there's quite a few similarities there. Yeah, indeed. So so let's get right into it. What exactly is the Sen Health Academy all about? Now the Sen Health Academy. I'll start with talking about what our mission is, right? So our mission is to provide technology education to healthcare professionals. So you find that within the healthcare space, 
most of the healthcare professionals are not really conversant or comfortable with how technology is shaping how they do certain things. So you find that in most um, establishments, and also it depends on which area of geography you're looking at, most of the records are still paper-based. Um, there's very little digitization, and there's good reason for that because of the sensitivity of health data. And also there's other reasons such as legacy systems and things that are in that space. But before I even delve further into Senate Academy, when I founded Zen Health about five years ago, one of the key things we started doing was developing tools and um, applications for um, healthcare professionals, especially in the area of patient engagement. So it was a patient-centric approach and looking at things like health uh, IT systems to um, get their systems working. And in all the people that was engaging with management level and speaking at conferences, I realized that there was a reluctance to to push the envelope, so to speak, take things to the next level because of the lack of understanding in some sensible level of detail on how these technologies works and how it can make a difference. And so I looked at it that, look, if you don't get the collective healthcare workforce understanding technologies and what is happening. When you're looking at digital health transformation, you can't really achieve it easily because you don't really have that aggregate force behind you. And so that's why when we founded Set Health Academy, we started off with developing a flagship course. And our flagship course, the introduction to technology in healthcare, is about um, five core models covering things like health IT, covering things like emerging technologies. We look into IoT, we look into cybersecurity, we look into blockchain and how blockchain relates to healthcare and everything. And then we have a number of case studies, about 20 odd case studies. And these are real life case studies and use cases that are actually right now happening. And we also ensure that to make sure that this whole thing is sensible and credible, we've had it accredited by the CPD Standards UK. So it's accredited, so it helps with their continuing professional development. So that's how Set Health Academy came about. We developed all these co the core course, and then we have breakout courses, which are verticals that focus on things like maybe AI and ML, so artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, we have workshops, facilitating workshops that look into strategic project planning, because when you have a lot of technology projects running in the healthcare um, organization, how do you manage them? How do you really ensure that you map your strategic objectives to the health outcomes first specifically, and then underpin that by technology? So that's what we're about, sir. Excellent stuff. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it appears that you observed that there was a gap in terms of the digital literacy levels of the health workforce in your particular context. And so you wanted to develop a solution that could sort of help close uh, that gap, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly. So tell us a bit more about, about the granular details in terms of what you are offering. Who are your primary targets? Because obviously the health workforce is, is a very wide range from doctors to nurses to lab technicians. So who exactly are you targeting? Um, and and uh, what level of competency in IT are they expected to have at the minimum to even be able to benefit from, from your academy? Um, the interesting thing about our courses is that you have people who are not even in the healthcare um, industry at all, young professionals, especially in Africa, who say, oh, we want to learn about this, and they come on. We gave a scholarships to a couple of people last year, and quite a number of young professionals and 
youngs and believers are really signed up. But the key thing that I'd just like to mention here is this, is that it's focused on the healthcare professionals predominantly, but people without health experience are coming because we're talking about technology as it relates to healthcare. So we break it down starting from definitions into concepts, into principles. So anybody that goes to our courses, share the introductory one, will understand and will be able to follow. Then we now go into more intermediate and advanced ones, and some of those could be instructor-led, where obviously you have to have the relevant background in medicine or health, depending on the context of what we're talking about. More importantly, you have to have some base technology which you would have gotten from the first introductory courses and the other things we do. So that's how it has been designed, such that um, it's applicable and it actually uh, resonates with people in the profession. So you're able to learn new things as a healthcare professional, like if we talk about virtual reality, how it's being used, and other concepts of, uh, for instance, blockchain. We're actually discussing how that concept and principle applies in practice to what you know. And so People who have a clinical background benefit. Those with non-clinical background, they benefit like those in support because you have things like supply chain. And as you know, you will know that supply chain, there are some integrations where supply chain has been leverage, leverages blockchain technology, for instance. So those are the kind of things we, we do. And um, it's quite interesting. And the range of people we have is, is vast. It's very interesting range. We have over 5,000 plus people on our platform who have registered or have checked to see what's happening on our basic freebie course. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So so walk us through your platform in terms of how is it uh, designed? How do people get access to it? And am I assuming, am I correct in assuming that your academy is 100% virtual, 100% online, or do you have in-person courses as well? It's 100% virtual. And also we have hybrid. So what we offer is there's on demand so people can go in when it's available to them because that really works for most people. It's 24-7. Healthcare professionals are very busy people, you know, Sam, and you're one of them. So I'm sure you've gone through where you have crazy workload and everything. So you have to fit in learning around workload and your personal life. So what we find is that um, it's 24-7. You can go there online and then we have the hybrid. The difference with the hybrid is that there's an instructor-led component where we can schedule times with um, the healthcare um, management, those who are running it on the other side to ensure that all their staff can come in at the appropriate time. And so it's almost as if you are in person, but the, the difference is that it's virtual. So you lead some of those components. But the good thing here is that they can now go after all that onto the platform at any time they want for a couple of weeks or months and really upscale and learn at their own pace. Great stuff. So it's almost like the Coursera of, of, of digital health learning, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. It is the Coursera to, to a point. And um, yes, because Coursera has instructor led and then you can go by yourself later. Yes, you're correct about that. And then the other thing that I failed to mention is this, is that for some organizations, let's say you're having your digital transformation, what we do for those organizations is that we ensure that the content is relevant to the kind of objectives and what they want to achieve. And we can have their own courses 
personalized, which is not available to everyone. So they actually go on a personalized version of the courses that actually speak to their own organizational culture and objectives on our platform. So we provide that learning management system, the platform, the tracking, the progress of your people, making sure that they understand we actually have quizzes within our training models and assignments and stuff like that so that people come out and are more confident and are able to really land running and have actionable learning, so to speak. Got it. So are, are your courses all, in terms of the curricula, are they all developed in-house or are you partnering with um, maybe some universities or other academic institutions? Uh, we're not partnering right now. We're looking into that in the future. Right now it's in-house and what we're focused on right now is um, on the tech part of the um, courses because as you start going more granular, like for instance, when we're looking at developing artificial intelligence, uh, or we're looking at how AI is used within clinical trials, then we're now going to bring in subject matter experts so that when we're developing those case studies that actually go into the nitty gritty, we're having the correct level of expertise, creating that course content for those organizations. So right now, most of our things are focused on the technology part, which is our strong point as a company and looking at how it leverages into healthcare. And as we develop and we go further down, we start swinging more into health focused, but how technology is the underpinning factor behind that content that we deliver. I hear you. And if I'm correct, you had mentioned something about being accredited. In Is it in the UK? Uh, and if yes, um, have you had any considerations about, you know, accreditation outside the UK? I guess that in some contexts, they might want to recognize, you know, qualifications obtained within their own context. I don't know if that has been an issue or, or something that you're thinking about. No, um, it's been an issue in, in some places. I'll explain how. Now, the accreditation we have is with the Accreditation Standards Office UK. So it's recognized in up to about 80 countries, right? And they have a lot of medical associations, health associations, and of course, other industries that are part of it. So it's a very strong accreditation um, stamp we have, so to speak. Now, when we look at other countries, like for instance, we're looking at working with ministries. So we're in talks with people in uh, Ministry of Health, like for instance, in Botswana, you find out that they may want their own relevant national accreditation. And so in those sort of cases, we're looking at how we can onboard those sort of um, accreditation as part of what we're doing. But why we started out with the CPD Standards UK is that it's a global accreditation standard that is quite solid. It covers quite a lot of um, countries, covers quite a lot of industries, especially within the healthcare industry, and it's quite recognizable. So on the back of that, when working with other countries, we can now, we've already covered more than half the requirements regarding accreditation if we have to do it within their own country's context. Got it, got it. And and earlier you had mentioned that you had uh, over 5,000 people enrolled. Uh, tell us more about some of the achievements and milestones that you've had so far. Um, with the 5,000 people, like for instance, you know, when you have a platform running, not all of them have gone through the course, I hasten to add. Most of them have gone in whereby they're, uh, when we're doing quite a lot of drive on, you know, when you're looking at understanding 
just basic understanding of health tech. We were given a number of previews and everything. So people registered on that basis. So we have a lot of people on the platform. But one of the important and interesting things we've done is that when you look at it, most of the interest, funny enough, Sam, is coming from Africa. So I'm having a situation where we have over about 10 key countries from East, West, and Southern Africa that are interested that are lined up. We have roughly about 200 people every month recently who are doing our courses and completing even our basic courses, which are there. So that is progressing. And um, one of the key achievements we're looking at doing is that we say, how do we really bridge this um, skills shortage gap? Because there's quite a huge skills shortage gap. So how do we upskill healthcare professionals? Because we are looking at addressing three key things, upskilling of healthcare professionals, helping them to understand how technology makes their life easier, what is happening within technology. And then you have the technology companies who are coming out with a lot of interesting cutting edge solutions and programs out there and platforms. And how do they really get adoption? It takes a while. And that's what we found out when we started off with Send Health. So we have a situation where we ensure that the healthcare professionals are technology ready for want of a better description. So you know how you have business readiness. So we have a situation where they're technology ready for getting into understanding how this digital transformation journey shapes their whole environment. Because within the whole health ecosystem, we are training across like from GPs to uh, pharmacies to lab technicians. So there's interest across the board. So when you have that technology readiness across the board, it makes a difference. And lastly, we're connecting with patients. That is really the key thing, the patients are the health consumers. And you know, they're getting a lot more digitally savvy. And the more savvy they get, their expectations is that they should interact with clinics, hospitals, similar to how they interact with their bank, like even when you're booking your plane ticket. So that is the sort of thing we're doing. Got it. So tell us about your pricing strategy, because I see on your on your website that the, the fees uh, for your courses is, is quite wide ranging from I've seen a hundred dollars, I've seen two thousand dollars or is it pounds? Yeah, it's showing dollars. So tell us about your pricing strategy and approach. Our flagship course is four hundred and fifty dollars, right? And um, that has over 50 lessons after the case study. So it's quite an intensive um, course that gives you 12 CPD points. Now, the smaller courses you've seen, like for instance, we found out that some of the healthcare professionals or some of those who are interested in our courses don't want to really start going to learn about artificial intelligence, your CS or cybersecurity or things like healthcare information exchange. They just want to understand digital health in terms of patient engagement, AI chatbots and things of that nature. So what we've done is that we've split the course or taken models of the course. So for instance, the ones that you see at about 150 or $200 at the introductory level, which takes it focuses on certain components that most people will find that they can connect to easily, right? And then when you look at um, the one that you're talking about, which is about 2,500, those are facilitated workshops. So that is actually not for a single individual, no. It's for them bringing in at least five people onto the learning and those are instructor-led and there's a bit of consultation in that. So when we're looking at those workshops, which are 2,500 you're talking about, those workshops look at working with the organization on what exactly they're doing. So we take into account 
what they're trying to achieve regarding their digital transformation plans. We take into account the heat map of what their digital maturity level is within that organization. And then we actually customize and create a course for that company in-house. So it's not a course that is repeated across the board. Got it. And, and let me throw you a bit of a curveball. You know, we always talk about the digital divide and leaving no one behind. And yet a lot of, you know, digital health interventions uh, tend to neglect certain parts of society, especially the more marginalized, the less educated. So what are your intents or intentions for reaching reaching this this group do you have any intentions for you know making your your platform more accessible to those who possibly can't afford it we we do and that is i think why we're talking about the sponsorship program where we're having and we're speaking to organizations i mean it's still early days because we started speaking to them last year and we're it's we're not getting as many interactions as we like to but it's slowly getting there you know to train people but also the other challenge sam especially when you look within africa we look at internet connectivity and access and costs in africa is quite expensive so we're looking at how do we get um with the telecoms company to provide those sort of um, availability of data, one. Secondly, you have power issues in some cases. And now there are solutions and there's technology coming out, like the battery and the solar technology is getting a lot better. So these things are now getting possible. The hardware they're using is getting more powerful, the phones and the devices, and they're also getting cheaper. So one of the things we're looking at um, doing in the next couple of months is to see how we can get um, partnership within maybe schools across rural areas or peri-urban areas where we can set up and then people can go in there and use those devices and actually train. But that's a long-term goal. It's not something we can do immediately. We're still just working at the level of getting more people in there. And because we're a company that we're a small um, organization, we're not really a very big company. Um, we have to look in, into the numbers, <laughs> you understand? So cost is uh, a challenge for us. So, but having said that, it's something we're looking into definitely. And we're looking at how do we leverage other technologies to deliver digital health technology. So for instance, when I say other technologies, okay, what sort of devices will they use? Uh, do they have access to power? And if they don't, what sort of power solutions, power banks, or what sort of extra things are necessary for those people so that we can actually bundle all this and we're really addressing those sections completely. So we're looking at how that can be addressed with other partners that can provide those capabilities and infrastructure for us. Yeah, very well said. And I guess it was a bit of an unfair question in, in the sense that I can't expect you to be everything to everyone. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good question in the sense that it, it actually forces us to think of that because, as I said, you remember I mentioned EDF yeah, that we're looking at an initiative of training 25,000 healthcare professionals by 2025. I strongly believe it's possible. Like, for instance, just before the COVID pandemic, there was an initiative we were just about starting off, which was using AI chatbots to train community health workers. Now, as you know, some community health workers are quite a strong force within most African countries, especially when you're looking at rural health, right? Now, we were looking at a situation where we designed the AI-powered chatbots such that when any of the community health workers go out to triage and talk to any of the patients or health consumers within the community, everybody gets the same result. Why? Because you've actually used a professional to develop the whole workflow within 
how those questions and the triage works. So at the end of the day, the way I look at it is that, uh, yes, there, it has to be done. There's something we can do. And if the organizations out there that are willing to support us, is uh, we have the technical know-how in terms of the technology, in terms of the project management to get things going. We just need that support in terms of infrastructure and um, costing to cover certain kind of things, especially when you look at logistics and making things happen. Got it. As I always say on this show, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, find partners. <laughs> so tell me, what keeps you up at night? as far as scaling up Send Health Academy is concerned? I think for me, the challenges we're facing, the key one is when we engage with different healthcare providers and companies, there are varying levels of digital maturity, right? And what we're finding is that depending on who you're interacting with, if you're interacting with people who are passionate about it and are keen about it, the conversation is very different. Now, if you are interacting with those who are more focused on who are not as keen on the digital health or technology side. Um, the conversations are different, but quite interesting because they are focusing on medicine and what they have to do. And it's a bit of a task to try and get them convinced on how to make them comfortable that how this technology will work or change things because there are certain ways they're used to doing certain things and the legacy systems which they have tried and tested and in fairness to them it makes sense right so what we find is that when we now work with a company um, and we bring in a couple of their healthcare workers onto the platform to go through the on-demand course we find that most of them are not really going at the pace that we expect them to go and that's because there's different learning curves associated with different individuals. So they're not really moving. So one of the things that we have to do is have additional instructors help to push those people through, get it more interactive on the platform, which we're doing. And then also maybe try and introduce a hybrid level. So the key thing is the digital maturity levels vary within the healthcare organizations. It keeps me up. And then also there's the technology intimidation and resistance to change. Now there could be resistance to change from a leadership level which, of course, that is the main showstopper. But if we have buying from the leadership level, then we now start looking at how do we resolve technology resistance or intimidation at the workforce level. And even within the workforce, it's not everyone. So I think trying to assure healthcare leaders and the leadership that, look, how the training and upskilling of their workforce, how it adds value in the short term, creating key performance indicators they can relate to such that they can see that the training courses and the training schedule and program we're doing is actually aligned to their transformation um, objectives and their transformation goals makes a major difference. So those are the sort of things we're looking at. And um, people sometimes feel their technology, oh, well, it's in the future, it's not here now, it's here now, but oh, we can still manage with this. And then all of a sudden you just see something like, just comes straight out a new technology or a new level or, or a kind of service that leverages technology in a very smart way. You wonder how did they move that quickly? Well, guess what? They moved that quickly because they understood the key concepts of what they were doing and where they are headed. And they're now really positioned to really leverage technology. So I think for me, one of the key things is looking at how can I really bridge those gaps, especially at the leadership level, and how can I get a better understanding of 
of what keeps them up at night as well. <laughs> got it, got it. So tell me, if, if I were the Minister of Health of a country you were interested in working in or the Minister of ICT, what would be one request you would ask of me? Uh, I, I, I will look at it from the basis of, if it's one request, I will look at the request from a level of digitization. I know that, and we're talking about um, focusing on Africa if for now, right? So when we're looking at within the context of Africa, we're looking at a situation where most of the healthcare records and the healthcare system is undigitized, right? It's paper-based, it's fragmented. So the first request is digitization because for us to achieve digitization, a number of things happen. We have to train a variety of workers, and I'm not talking about healthcare professionals alone, I'm talking about support workers and everything in various aspects. Now, when you're looking at healthcare, data is very, very sensitive and it's very important. And we have to look at privacy issues, cybersecurity issues. Key question and the key thing asked for that is digitization and also creating some form of center of excellence when it comes to digital health so that we can now house things like um, the data, uh, for instance, we talk about open data or open AI, all those sort of things, you know, when you're talking about various frameworks, you can actually house those so that when we're having this community of entrepreneurs and people developing new solutions, we're all working towards a common goal and guidelines regarding standardization, which now makes us scale. So my first request would be digitization, extending more to a set of access, and that really extends to us training people. I could have started looking at it that, oh, let us just train all your people. But if we train all the people in isolation without a common goal, then how do we really link back to the national strategy, the national transformation strategy for that country? I, I hear you. I don't know if any minister will be able to grant that request. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you said that you, 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 you brought up the genie and you said that you make a wish and I made a wish. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Fair game. But it's, it's a fair request. <laughs> okay. So tell me, let's, let's dream together. What next for Sen Health Academy? Where do you see yourselves in the next couple of years? In the next couple of years, I would like to be in a situation whereby we're creating a platform and we're creating the platform to understand where various use cases and various case studies can be developed within the African context especially. I see a future whereby healthcare professionals who have left the continent can actually interact and work from wherever they are based and add value. Take for instance, when you look at the virtual reality and you look at what these virtual reality headsets are doing right now and training that is actually being done, like for instance in oil and gas industry. They use those headsets and they use IoT devices, industrial IoT devices, to train their workers such that they are away from harm's way, but they get the critical training like firemen and everything. Similar things are happening in the healthcare sector in the West, right? It's not yet there, it's not really easily available. But I see a situation that as all these whole platforms and things become accessible and affordable, we should be able to have a situation where professionals, and I keep hampering on about professionals in diaspora because why they have the best of both worlds. Most of them have been trained and worked in Africa and then worked overseas, and they can work with various kinds of tools, medical tools and techniques across the two devices. So imagine those individuals come together, working with their counterparts on the ground and start developing solutions for the continent. It would be mind blowing. It would really be amazing. And so I see a situation whereby we are able to have that whole thing where we can really 
upscale as a collective but actually increase and improve because if you look at what the mobile phone has done in Africa where it has leveraged in most cases where there was no landlines and very few landlines if you remember back in the day now we can achieve that with technology so one of my main dreams and hopes is to look at a situation where apart from the hybrid training we're offering now we're offering VR training especially in certain area so you remember we talked earlier i think there was a question you asked me earlier about um what sort of training courses and things we want to develop and that's where we now get our medical professionals we get our surgeons we get our orthopedics uh, radiology for instance it would be very good to develop a situation where if we have a standardized way of doing things then we are able to even tag each of the scans people do. That way, people don't have to repeat scans easily. But more importantly, we can now leverage those who are experienced, either on the continent or out of the continent, by actually digitizing how that is really being done. So you have someone who is really interpreting the scan outside the continent or within the continent. It could be in the urban area, interpreting a scan for someone in the rural area and it's easily accessible and the results are there. We can now build machine learning on things, on clinical trials that are relevant to our own continent. And I think that's very, very possible. It's a matter of, and also looking at a situation where models of digital health technology and training gets into the medical schools and the allied health professional courses, um, course curriculum. That would be one of the things. And in fact, maybe I will even ask that of the minister as well. <laughs> Excellent. No, look, that's it's absolutely amazing to have this conversation with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm truly, truly wishing your, your company well. I think you have such a very strong business model and a strong business case. There's a clear need for, for the health workforce, especially across this continent, to become tech uh, savvy, to improve their digital literacy. So I think you're very much onto something here. So, so it's been great talking to you, Joel. Pleasure having you on the show and have a lovely day. Uh, thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for having me on your program. And by the way, all the best in what you do for the continent regarding shipping and bringing people like us onto your platform to share what we're doing. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. MedTech Africa is produced and hosted by Sam Oti and co-edited by yours truly, Veronica Sander Ojiambo. The goal of MedTech Africa is to provide a platform for showcasing digital health and health tech innovations across the African continent. Please reach out to us if you have any thoughts on this episode or recommendations of African health innovators that you'd like us to host on the show. You can find our contact details in the episode show notes. Finally, be sure to subscribe to MedTech Africa on your preferred podcast platform. And if you have a moment, please leave us a great review because it really helps other people to find the show. Thanks again for listening and we hope you join us in our next episode.